very real joy for me once again to be able to be here and to be able to share with you from the Word of God. And I would like to turn you to Jeremiah and chapter 3 and verse 17. The prophecy of Jeremiah and chapter 3 and verse 17. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the stubbornness of their evil heart. And then in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, in chapter 22 and verse 3. And there shall be no curse anymore, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be therein, and his bond slaves shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be night no more, and they need no light of lamp, neither light of sun. For the Lord God shall give them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And finally, in the psalm that we sang, part of it earlier, the 24th psalm, Verse 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in war. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, Yea, lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I can't think of a more wonderful subject uh, to talk about than Jerusalem preparing for her king. Jerusalem, this city that would never have been a household word in the whole world, but for the fact that God chose her. She was nothing. She had none of the normal attributes of a capital city. She was not on major crossroads. She had no great navigable harbor, no navigable river. Uh, she had no great natural resources, whether diamonds or coal or oil or whatever else. She was bereft of everything, even water. She had no actual water within her walls, no spring of water. Have you ever heard of a capital city without 
a, a, a spring of water within the walls, especially in the Middle East, in desert conditions. She was nothing. God chose her. And when he chose her, the long story of Jerusalem began. There are only two cities in the word of God uh, that God recognizes. One is Jerusalem. You will find it in from Genesis actually all the way through to the book of Revelation. And the other city is Babylon. And you will find her also in Genesis. And you will find her all the way through to the last chapters of the Bible. You either belong to one or the other. You cannot belong to both. You, are, you may have all, all of us, been born in Babylon. But by the grace of God, he can transfer our birthright and register us in Jerusalem. When you're born of God, you belong to Jerusalem. This old city began her story with the choice of God. He chose her. He chose her to um, uh, represent his name. And when you take this word name in the Bible, you will remember that the Lord said again and again, the place where I will cause my name to dwell. A very extraordinary phrase when you think about it. What does it mean? Uh, uh, the place where I will cause my name to dwell. The place where I will put my name in. What does it mean? Uh, in the Bible, names represent the personality. Uh, they represent the person. Um, they have meaning. Very often they have prophetic meaning. Um, uh, such as Abraham, Abraham, father of a multitude, or um, Isaac, Yitzhak, laughter, or Jacob, the twister, or Israel, prince with God, or Moshe, Moses, drawn out, or Yosef, multiplication or addition. Uh, so you can go on. Names have tremendous meaning in the Bible. When God said, I, I, uh, the place where I will cause my name to dwell, he was saying, this city that I choose represents me. She represents my being. She represents my character. She represents my purpose. She represents my covenants. She represents my Messiah. She represents the destiny I have both for the Messiah and those whom he redeems. It is a wonderful uh, picture, Jerusalem. She is supposed to be a, a city of peace. She has been a city of war. She is supposed to be a city of healing. She has been a city of suffering. The enormous battle that is focused on Jerusalem is because God chose her. You will never understand Jerusalem if only you look at the stones and the streets and the parks 
and the buildings and the ancient monuments that are within her. You will only ever understand Jerusalem if you understand the unseen. God chose her. And when God chose her, he catapulted her into history. So that she has become a household word. And when he chose her, that arch enemy of God fought every inch of the way. Fourteen times Jerusalem has been destroyed. And fourteen times she has been rebuilt upon her foundations. It was in this city that Jesus had his bar mitzvah. It was in this city that Jesus the Messiah came three times every year at least and often more than that to the great pilgrimage festivals in which every Jew had man had to appear before the Lord in the courts of the house of God in Jerusalem. It was in this city that Jesus fought the greatest battle of his life in a garden outside the city walls, Gethsemane. It was there that he won the battle for our salvation. It was in this city that Jesus was crucified. And it was in this city that he was buried. And it was in this city that he rose again on the third day. And from this city he ascended to the right hand of God. And it is to this city that he will return. Of all the cities of the world, it is not Washington or Moscow or Rome or Paris or London, or Singapore, or Beijing, or New Delhi, <laughs> or Canberra, or I think I'm right on Australia, I hope so. <laughs> Wellington, it is not even Ilan Batur. It is to Jerusalem that he returns. And it is the returning of the Lord Jesus to this city that will finally give her the completion of her destiny. Only when he returns will the history of Jerusalem, this Jerusalem, be complete. She will never fade away until she fades into the eternal glory of another Jerusalem, that Jerusalem which is above, which is the mother of all who are redeemed, that Jerusalem which will come down out of heaven, having the glory of God, that Jerusalem which is described as the bride and wife of the Lamb. 
Until then, this Jerusalem is a testimony and a witness to the nations of the world. Everywhere you look in the Bible, you will find this name, Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. It is everywhere there, even with all her sin, with all her disobedience, with all her alienation from God, even in her destructions. She has been a testimony and a witness to God, to another kingdom, to a divine purpose, to the real meaning of mankind. This Jerusalem, she will only be fulfilled. This old Jerusalem, with all her dust, and all her noise, and all her troubles, and all her conflict, and all the wars, this Jerusalem will never disappear until finally the king is here. I am not talking tonight so much about the king, much as I would love to. I don't know where it happened, but I must have dreamt it. Because I thought I received a fax from the CFI asking me to speak on the centrality and supremacy of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And I had searched for this fax for two days <laughs> and haven't been able to find it. And finally I phoned them this morning and I said, please tell me. I thought I received a fax. I think I must have dreamt it. But I will talk about the centrality and supremacy of the Lord Jesus on the last night when we talk about the King of Israel and the King of the Nations. <clears throat> Tonight we're talking about Jerusalem preparing for her King. You know, there are a tremendous amount in the Word of God about Jerusalem, but there is also a whole amount about Jerusalem that has not been fulfilled. For instance, the scripture we read together in Jeremiah and chapter 3 and um, verse uh, uh, 17, it says, in, in uh, that day, the Lord says, at the, that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. Isn't that marvelous? That's something to come. Or I think again of Ezekiel uh, and um, uh, chapter uh, 43 and uh, verse uh, 7. This is what it says. Uh, and um, he said unto me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. Isn't that marvelous? And then in the same prophecy and chapter 48 and the last verse, and it shall be 18,000 reeds round about, and the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. In other words, the Lord's come home. The Lord is there. Adonai Shammah. The Lord is there. 
I, uh, I uh, think of so many other scriptures. I mean, I don't want to take too much time, but of course some of them are very well known to many of you. In the prophecy of Isaiah and chapter 2, this is very important because it is repeated word for word in Micah. Now liberals tell me that this was some dozy scribe um, who um, suddenly managed to get Isaiah in Micah. Um, word for word. I don't think so at all. I think the Lord is actually saying the same thing twice because it is so important. And here it is. And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will decide concerning many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. This is still, of course, in the future. <laughs> At present it seems a long way off, but uh, in the twinkling of an eye the Lord could come. And then these marvelous words will be fulfilled before our eyes. So I, I find this amazing. I'm only taking one or two um, uh, scriptures uh, just to give you an idea. For instance, take Zechariah and uh, chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8 from verse 1. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, I'm jealous for Zion with great jealousy. I'm jealous for her with great wrath. Thus said the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. All these, these are just a few examples, all these are, are, are scriptures basically to do with the future. Of course, actually, part of this last one is already fulfilled. We have old folks all over Jerusalem with um, uh, sticks. I'm feeling I'm getting that way myself. 
Um, I mean, uh, it's a fulfillment of the word. Boys and girls shouting and kicking balls around. And every time in my home I hear these kindergartens going by up to high school, I might say. The noise and the liveliness and the, the, uh, the vastity um, of our young people. It's a fulfillment. It's already started. Something has begun so marvelous, so glorious, but we're not there yet. You cannot call Jerusalem the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord, the holy mountain. I'm afraid not. What with some of the things that go on in Jerusalem, we're far from it. But we're on the way. It is an amazing thing that uh, we have. It's all summed up, of course, in Revelation 21 and 22, when John was caught up and saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God. It is an amazing picture we have there. On the one hand, we have a bride. On the other hand, we have a capital city. And the two are wedded together. Now, try to explain that to me. I mean, there's no way you can call a capital city a bride. And I have never, ever had any husband, as I've said before, probably here. I've never had a husband introduce his wife to me as this is my capital city. Although, I must say, there are many uh, wives who are capital cities. <laughs> but nevertheless, I have never heard a husband introduce his wife as his capital city. The center of administration, the center of policies being made and executed, um, and a thousand and one other things. It is an extraordinary picture we have. At the very end of the Bible, we find Jerusalem at Surely, not by name, but it is there in Genesis chapter uh, 12. Uh, but all the way from that quiet beginning, you will trace right the way through all the 66 books of the Bible. It's growing from a little tiny stream to a great Amazon-like river. You find the whole matter of Jerusalem, just as you find Babylon as well. Babylon you will find in Genesis chapter 11. <laughs> Uh, it is amazing, really, uh, when you look at it uh, in uh, the Word uh, of God. But when you come to the end of the Bible, God's last words, as it were, to us in this amazing revelation that, that we call uh, the Bible, it is Jerusalem. She's coming down out of heaven having the glory of God. She is an amazing city. You can see through her. Most of us wouldn't want to dwell in a city like that. You can see through her from end to end. Nothing is private. Nothing can be hidden. It is like a crystal ball. It is like an electric light bulb. It only means something when the light is switched on. And that's exactly what it says. There is no temple in the city, no synagogues, no chapels, no churches, no assembly places, for it says, the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple thereof. And it says, is no need of light of sun or moon or star, because the glory of God lightens it. It is an amazing picture we have here. The throne of God is in it. 
the throne of the Lord God Almighty and of the Lamb. The throne is there. It is a capital city. A bride and a capital city. Two quite different ideas, concepts, bound together in one. It is quite clear that this is a spiritual concept. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's no actual city uh, in the ages to come, the headquarters from which uh, the Messiah will reign. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is this. When you come to that Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, at the end of the Bible, that sums up everything that God ever meant by choosing this Jerusalem. It is a spiritual idea, a spiritual reality that is in view. It is the bride, it is the redeemed, Jew and Gentile. We look, the twelve patriarchs are there. Everywhere you look, the twelve apostles are there. Everywhere you look. It is an amazing thing. It is both the song of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the song of the Lamb. It is Jew and Gentile saved by the grace of God through the finished work of the Messiah. It is an amazing picture we have, that Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 